You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do this. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, GP, and we have a special guest joining us today. Uh, we've got John from Las Vegas. Uh, you've called in to be with us today. How are you today, John? Thanks for joining us. I'm good. Thanks for having me. So uh, we have Marty in here as well. We've got Bruce uh, along with us. We've got GP. He's monitoring. He'll pop in whenever he feels like he needs to voice his two cents on something. So he will be jumping in from time to time uh, when he sees a, a part of the conversation that he uh, he wants to get in on. But I wanted to uh, I wanted to start with our guest here. You've called in. You've reached out to us through uh, through GP, and uh, you say that uh, there's several things that are concerning what's going on in the world today. What we're seeing specifically in in the U.S. You're in Las Vegas. Vegas. I know that there's a lot of uh, rules, regulations and things that are going on out there, especially as it relates to the gambling industry, the casino, uh, the casinos, the, re- the hotels, the restaurants, all of that. I know that all of that is uh, is under heavy, uh, heavy restrictions and regulations at the moment. So I tell you what, we don't have any plans. We don't have any scripts here. Nothing. So we're just we're freestyling this. We're, we're ad libbing this. So let's start with let's start with you. Where would you like to start since you're calling in? You reached out to GP and we put you on. So where would you like to start? What's front and center for you? What's important uh, for you right now? Uh, I mean, well, most front and center, I would have to say, is just the, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, it's just the, the, the crybabiness about the wearing the mask and not wearing the mask. And, and the bottom line is, if you don't want to wear a mask, okay, don't wear a mask. But then you, you got to deal with the repercussions of that. If the store has a policy that's following the government mandate to wear a mask, you got no right to throw stuff off the counters and threaten the employees and threaten the other customers that are in there. I mean, have some respect. If you want to believe masks don't do nothing, that's fine. I happen to believe they do something. When I talk to somebody, spit flies out of my mouth. The mask stops that spit from hitting anybody or any surface. I'm not saying I have COVID. I don't feel like I do, but a lot of people don't feel like they do, and they found up winding they do. I, I, that's just It's just something I just don't understand that, that people are, are crying about. Follow the rules or, or don't follow the rules. Just don't the repercussions of your decisions. Hold okay. Uh, I, I, I feel like, hold on, I, I feel like I've been lied to a little bit here in this. I, I was under the impression that, you know, you, you were going to be contrary to what we believe. No, I'm, I'm being facetious, by the way. Because that's that's how we've taken our that's our position is I'm I'm typically on here I'm the guy that says government bad I don't want the government mandating it but if a business says wear a mask wear a mask I mean if you want to do business there wear a mask you know it, uh, but more or less you've pretty much been saying what we say and I I agree with that I I, I don't think the government has has any uh, re, uh, uh, course to go against us personally as as a person but if the government if, if I'm agreeing with the government and the government's saying hey this is actually showing uh, against what we initially thought that masks are good you need to do this to help your fellow Americans then unfortunately I guess this is somewhere I'm gonna side with the government like you guys said so I mean I just have to be one of those people that think masks do do good both ways 
And like Bruce was saying, I mean, that's that's the kind of the that's the stance we've been on uh, most of this way. I, I thought you were one of these people. It, this is the the understanding that I that I was getting. I thought you were going to be one of these people that considers everyone else to be a mass murderer if they don't wear one. <laughs> because we're we're seeing that. Well, no, I, I'm I, I, because we've never spoken. So I, I'm, I was just kind yeah. of getting briefed yesterday of this is the kind of attitude that we could expect. I'm, I'm not saying anything against you personally, but I, I didn't realize mm-hmm. not speaking to you prior to right now. Uh, that that we were uh, honestly, I think we're on the same page here. I side with the business. I I side mm-hmm. with the fact that the business has the right as a private business to put up whatever mandates they want. Now I have to draw the line personally when it comes to the business being fined if they choose not to have a mask mandate for their business. That's where I draw the line on that. If someone uh, owns a business and so and they require their customers to wear masks, well, that's the business protecting themselves from the liability from possibly being sued or whatever it might be. That's the business's choice. And if you want to patron that business, well, then you have to abide by that. I don't agree with the way that these people are behaving, like you mentioned. I don't agree with that at all. The way that mm-hmm. you go into mm-hmm. those businesses and you throw things off the shelf, you slam your cart into people, what whatever it is, you start screaming hysterically. There's no call for that. Yeah. Just leave. Oh. Just go somewhere else. Yeah. If you don't want to do that, then just don't shop there. That's all there is to it. Go yeah. find another yeah. business or do something else. So, yes, I'm not in disagreement with you here at all. I think it's getting out of hand. And I think that people are taking it to the extreme. And I think that that part needs to be addressed. And be honest with you, I, I blame a lot of that on the media and the way that they're behaving, the way they're pushing people to the extremes with their narratives. But I don't think that we we disagree all that much when, when it comes to that. I, I mean, I think we're kind of the same opinion here that people don't need to be behaving like that. Make the choice yeah. for yourself. Yeah. If you believe that a mask is actually going to do yourself better and the people around you better, it's your choice to do that. But again, as, as it relates to the business, if a business mandates that, I respectfully follow that guideline if I want to frequent that business. Okay, I have to take that upon myself. But I have an issue where the government comes out and says, yeah, we're going to fine you if you don't have one, whether you're in a business or not. That's not right. Uh, we don't we don't yeah. do that. We don't have a government mandate that a populace wear something because we've had governments, not ours specifically, but we've had governments around the world in the past. Tyrannical governments do that. And it's ended badly every single time. So we don't need to go there. We have to draw a line somewhere. Uh, Marty, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, that's fine. We've got this situation now, as I uh, mentioned in an earlier podcast, uh, or a later podcast, uh, we've got this situation where we've had a 10-day period where we haven't had to wear masks in, in supermarkets since the government announced that on the 24th, we will have to. Why is this? We suspect, we have suspicions that another spike is on its way. So that's why they've now mandated that where we weren't wearing masks before, suddenly we will have to. Also, here in the UK, we've got the situation where if you've got a large premises for your business, if you've got a large building and you can maintain social distancing, used to be two metres, I believe it's now come back to one metre or down to one metre, but you have to take extra precautions and that those extra precautions are the wearing of masks. There's a really good meme and it shows two guys naked from the waist down. It's a cartoon. It's not graphic, but one's peeing and the other guy's legs is getting wet. Then one guy puts a pair of trousers on and the other guy's peeing and the trousers are getting wet. 
then when both have trousers on, nobody's getting wet legs apart from the guy that's peeing. So it's kind of that way with the mask as well, isn't it? If you're if everyone's wearing a mask in a confined space, that transference of of exhaled breath and and water droplets and potentially the virus isn't spreading. But it just seemed it just seemed crazy to us here in the UK that the government would make an announcement after they'd you know got businesses to implement social distancing and put perspex screens up between the cashier and the customer and then to suddenly say in 10 days time you're going to have to wear masks why do we think that is you know there there hasn't been an increase in the infection rate without wearing masks in supermarkets and the pubs have been opened there were spikes in some areas where there were big blm protests and antifa and blm supporters were in the streets and and not social distancing and in those areas, there have been massive spikes. Also, in some of our, shall we say, ethnic community, communities, there's been high spikes there because we went through the period of Ramadan. So, yes, I'm talking about Muslims. We went through Ramadan and then we followed it up. They followed it up with Eid al Fitr, which is a, a time when people go around each other's houses and give gifts. So, there's Again, no social distancing, and there was massive spikes in these areas. So are we being protected from another huge infection rate, or are the government exercising more controls and seeing how far we can be pushed? What do you guys well, think? Well, Marty, the you gotta understand this like this virus, right? It it what's what do we have, Bruce, on its uh, uh fatality rate? Point zero zero. No, 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 no. It's rate. It's it's um. Yeah, yeah the rate, the mortality rate, rate of COVID is below that of a normal flu virus. Yeah. Okay, so, if you're, so yeah, less than three percent. Okay, so we're gonna go, yeah. let's go yeah. with this less than three percent. Okay. Once you've gotten it, it's equivalent to being inoculated. So we know that ninety plus percent of the population that gets it, nothing happens. Nothing. Zero. We don't want the entire population to get it all at once. Correct. I mean, that would be horrible because you know that that percentage of people that are going to get ill and then that percentage of people that will succumb to it is going to be is it's going to be drastic it's going to be huge if we had everyone infected all at once but why don't we infect why don't if you look at it from a you know a scientific standpoint infect a certain percentage of the populations at each given time in order to maximize the inoculants that are out there you know so we got to get as many people as we can to basically it's like giving everybody a vaccine without having to give everybody a vaccine because it's really not as fatal as Many flus. I mean, if you look at some of these Asian flus, I mean, they're com- deadly. I mean, it's yeah, you're going into the 15 to 30 percentile rate, which and is we're seeing, horrific. We're seeing spikes, though. We're seeing spikes, but it's it's based on a few things. It's based on overinflated numbers because of the false counts, the false positives of the test, the massive tests. We're seeing spikes. We're seeing uh, increases in the number of cases, but we're not being told the recovery rate. We're not being shown the deaths. We're just hearing cases, 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 cases. That's all we're getting out of this. And so people can turn around and they, they say, oh, well, these cases are spiking everywhere and we got to do this. We got to do that. But by them pushing the agenda and I'm talking about the mainstream media and the, the quote health officials, I'm doing the air quotes with them promoting the agenda of, well, we have these spikes. We have all of these uh, uh, these cases that are emerging everywhere. And it's because you didn't do what you were told, the, the law abiding citizen, not the people that were out there rioting, looting, burning, tearing down our monuments, not them, but because you didn't do what you were told because Johnny. you opened the economy too fast. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> you you got into the looting, the burning, the yeah, sorry, <laughs> taking sorry. down a statue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, but my point is, is they are ignoring that. If this was really about the health and safety of the the general public, then they would include all of that in their reasoning behind the actions that they're taking, and they're blatantly ignoring it. That's the point I'm trying to make. What do you mean by yeah, they're, they're 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 not including the BLM? I mean, I don't see where they're not including it. I mean, I, I see the pictures of the riots as well as the people at the beaches and all the block parties people are holding. I mean, there's there's no definable. These are the these are cases that are coming from the BLM riots. These are the cases that are coming from that. That's the problem. They're not doing all that back tracing, so nobody can tell where they're coming from. I, I haven't heard anybody saying they're not coming from the rioters. I, I, I'm just. I don't understand where you where, where you get that assumption. Well, I'm looking. Well, it's not an assumption. It's it's the way that you're hearing guys like Dr. Fauci, the way that he's talking. He's saying that, well, people didn't do what they needed to do. And the economy's open too fast. And because you opened your restaurant, because you uh, because you opened your business, but not necessarily a restaurant. So that's what's been causing the spikes. No one's paying any attention. Some, to some degree it has. But he hasn't excluded the BLM. He said people. People are not doing. He didn't say the beaches specifically, even though they showed pictures of it. And they did show pictures of the riot. But he, I, I, I'm assuming he generalized it by saying people aren't doing what they're doing. And not to mention the fact that all the pictures I've seen of the rioters, most of them are wearing masks. Now, granted, because they don't want to get hit with tear gas and pepper spray, but they are still, most for the majority, are wearing masks. Which is funny. So on top of this, you don't have the. It, if you're looking at, uh, you're looking at that particular action. If you're saying, okay, well, he didn't specify that. Okay, all right, I, I can accept that. But if you go down the route of all these states that are now employing contact tracers, and you have contact tracers that go back and you trace the the cases down. Uh, specifically, I'm referencing New York here. You're not allowed to ask if you're a contact tracer. You're not allowed to ask if you attended any protests. You're not allowed to ask that question. So oh, okay. But okay. My, my point okay. is, is it's, it's political here. It's, it's a political agenda. Now, I'm not disagreeing with you totally. I, I'll agree with you the fact that Fauci didn't specifically point that out. But when you have contact tracers at the state level that are being told specifically in their training, don't ask if they were attending any protests or, or rioting. You can't ask that. Well, you can't get an accurate count then. Well, I, I agree with that, but I, I don't think it's 100% a political stunt. I mean, pe- people are getting sick. People are dying. And I, and I understand and I see where, where it's becoming political spins at certain points, but it, you can't completely ignore the fact that it is a problem, not just a political problem. The, the other kind of an aspect to it is some of the doctor, you know, the experts and the doctors that they had on uh, many of the news organizations, they were basically saying, well, this is this is too important to be concerned about the virus. You know, you should be out there protesting this and basically giving them a pass, um, whereas the economy was shut down uh, because, you know, we, we had to um, flatten the curve. You know, there was no encouragement of really social distancing or anything. It was just like, go out there and protest. And that's kind of where, like, as a business owner, that's really that that's kind of slapping you in the face because the government forced me to shut down because, you know, we had to flatten the curve. And now my livelihood is is damaged. In many cases, businesses, upwards of 40% of businesses that shut down, you know, the, the mom and pop shops are done permanently. Like they're closing doors right. permanently. And it's kind of a slap in the face to them. I mean, how is that fair that you're able to go out and protest? Yeah, the protests technically are a First Amendment right. I Yes. But so if churches. you're having to shut 
Yeah, exactly. So the churches. But if you're allowed to go out and protest, why why are we playing the the politics and the games when I should be able to have my business open or, you know, and and follow the guidelines at my choosing, you know, and but now because of everything that the government has mandated, my business is done. So what what am I supposed to do? You know, and so it, it's kind of it's not really fair to them. No, no, you're right. I'm going to go on a, a, a trip very shortly and I'm going to have to wear a mask while I travel. And, and when I get to where I'm going, I'll probably have to wear a mask to go into businesses. In you know, This is another European country I'm going to be visiting. And I'm ready to do that. Am I going to have to buy um, you dinner? Uh, no, no, not this okay. time. Okay. All right. Not this time. Uh, I, you know my kind of appetites and I don't think you could afford dinner for me. Um, <laughs> the thing that you said right at the start about people going into businesses and and throwing their weight around because they've been asked to mask up mm-hmm. totally with totally with you what i'm having trouble in understanding is uh, and and because my paranoia levels have gone through the roof lately is there's our government here in the uk have stipulated as of tomorrow i have to wear a mask inside uh, shops supermarkets even though in the supermarket i can stay two meters away from everybody and uh, i can take all the other precautions that i have been taking but all of a sudden i've got to wear a mask i'm worried this is again this is my own personal paranoia is that the masking up will start as of tomorrow and it won't stop until that vaccine is ready and we're told yeah you can stop wearing masks if you have the vaccine so Knowing that they can't force people to have the vaccine, they're looking at other ways of, of persuading people that the vaccine is going to be a good idea. I know GP knows much more about this than I do, but COVID is a coronavirus. The common cold is a coronavirus. There are also rhinoviruses, I believe, which cause common colds and flu. But they've been searching for a cure for the common cold for decades you know, probably since the 30s, they've been looking at ways of curing the common cold. Um, and it hasn't happened yet. And the reason I believe it hasn't happened is because the coronaviruses mutate so fast, so they can't find that mix that they need to vaccinate you against a coronavirus, a specific coronavirus. So because my paranoia levels are, are high, and I don't trust Mr. Gates, the on-record eugenicist, and he's so heavily involved in the research for the viruses around the world. I don't trust it. So I don't trust the mask up order because I think it's just a tool that they will use to get people to have the vaccination. And I don't know what's going to be in that vaccination. So that's is where you, I am. Is your, is your paranoia even one step further that you think the vaccination is going to hold some kind of like micro, you know, like a, a, a what do they call those? Uh, the little micro bots. Nanobots. You know? Nanobots. Yeah, nanobots. <laughs> uh, no, not Is necessarily. that far? <laughs> not necessarily, but the, the way genetic modification has advanced within the food industry, and most people, most places are now turning against GM. Yep, yep. Who knows? Who knows what they can do with a few chosen strands of certain DNA yeah, implanted into the system? You know, just on um, a just on a side note, since you, uh, just real quick, I'm sorry, I mean, I don't mean to cut in here, but uh, this is uh, this is breaking as of as of about uh, t- two hours ago. Bill Gates has come out today 
uh, as of two hours ago, and he has stated that multiple coronavirus vaccination doses are likely to be needed. And he suggested to governments that schools should stay closed for another year. Do you know what that's going to do to our immune system? Do you know what that's going to do to our children? Do you know how many inoculants we need daily okay. Okay. in order to just, avoid just the flus, the okay. the various diseases and viruses that are out there? I'm we just, need inoculants just, every day, every day. I'm just stating. I'm just stating what his what the breaking uh, statement was from him. He's come out two hours ago and said this because he brought up Bill Gates. So I, I was throwing this out there. So let's let's have a discussion on this. So we need see, the kids yeah. to go out there and get. You know, it sounds horrible, but we need those kids to get out there. And expose themselves to everything to give them back to us so they can, we can have proper inoculants to survive. It's almost like here in the UK, because the, the schools broke up today. Uh, so the kids that were going to school, because not all of them were, um, they were they were in socially distanced classes of, of much fewer pupils. They break up today and it's almost like by forcing us to wear a mask where we're not getting these ex- the, the exposures to, well, you know, viruses, germs, whatever, that our immune system helps that helps our immune system to fight off bigger infections it's almost like they're 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 getting us ready to you know really hit us with it but by uh, degrading our immune system by causing us to wear masks or forcing us to wear masks you you see why my paranoia is so high john with johnny's just telling us that you know that this is what this is what bothers me and i don't want to be uh some kind of tinfoil hat wearing lunatic the more and more i see what's going on the more suspicious i become now when you say get the kids out there are, are you're not talking like five and six year old are you talking like 13 and 14 year olds that when you explain to them why they're going to be separated for two weeks and you know they're going to be exposed to this i mean because i don't I, I mean i understand getting the younger folks out there but getting the five and six years out there who have no idea and getting separated from their families for I, I I I just don't know. About what do you mean separate from their family? I'm talking about just going to school. Just going to well, school. You're getting get exposure. You're getting, you're getting exposure. You know? Yes, you're getting exposure. Just going on a playground. They're exposed to so oh, many inoculants okay. every single day. You're just out in the open. Okay, okay. I, out in the I open. You meant like but when you shelter, when you viruses yeah. and stuff. <laughs> no, 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 no. When when you're sheltering in place, this is what we found with astronauts. Is an astronaut has the most weakened immune system coming from space. Why is that? Because they're not exposed to the inoculants, viruses and bacteria, the inoculants that are around here in the country. And why when we go to different countries, why do we end up getting sick? Because we just initially get exposed to whatever illnesses are in those locations. But if we if we hibernate and we keep our children and ourselves away from everything yeah, it's going to get much worse because they're going to blame yeah, everything yeah, on everything on coronavirus. Because you know that they're already saying if you have flu-like symptoms, you have coronavirus. We everything. have a guy right here. He's on. He's, he's on the media right now, and he's he's going he's going all out because he's got the report in his hands that says he has coronavirus. He's never been tested. Never been tested. But according to because these these uh, these tracers. They're calling him saying, well, your results are positive for coronavirus. He's all, this is impossible since I haven't been tested. And they need to know all the people he's exposed himself to. Yes, and that's the difficulty that's going on because it's human error. I don't believe it's a malicious situation with this guy that somebody's out there going, okay, you all are going to have coronavirus. I'm going to say that 10% of the population has it and just go after him. No, I don't think it's that thing. I just think there's some clerical errors and that's something that happened, but but it's happening. The way it's got us all thinking as well. I received a letter through the post yesterday 
telling me that I've been selected at random to be part of the uh, antibodies test trial, which will be conducted in my house. I'm a man who spent most of my life in the armed forces and then working within the defence industry thereafter. I've said this before, I'm used to taking orders. I'm used to doing things without questioning them. And this, the way the governments, our, our various governments have handled things, combine that with all the other stuff that's going on in the world all at the same time, it's making me want to say, no, I'm not going to be part of your test because once I'm there and my date is in the system, it can be used against me uh, because that total lack of trust has, has developed. It, trust has broken down between people and their governments. And, you know, how do we fix it? How are we going to fix it? I was waiting for I was waiting for the the response from Bruce to say government's bad. Okay, that's that's what I was that's what I was waiting on, but I didn't get it. But I know, Bruce been no, so talkative. He he's he's so you got to shut him up because he talks so much. You know, you just you just got to you know elbow your way in there and say, Bruce, can you just calm down a little bit? But no, honestly, I think where where does it start? Okay, well the the question I think is what. Well, or did you say, where does it stop? I, I can't, because there's a starting point and there's a stopping point. Which one do you want me to cover? What I want to know is how are we ever going to trust our politicians again? Because the number of deaths, the way they've been recorded and reported, has been skewed. The data's okay. gone. Okay. The number of yeah. actual cases uh, of, of COVID-19 where people have had to been hospitalized have been very few. We built two 6,000-bed hospitals, uh, the Nightingale hospitals, we turned a whole exhibition centre into a COVID ward and they had two patients. They had all that bed space and two patients. It didn't happen the way that they expected it to happen. The way the the deaths are being recorded inside care homes, where if there's been one case of someone with a positive result, whether they've died or not, anyone else who's died in that care home, you know, and this is a place where elderly people go to die, let's face it, so it happens quite often, have been recorded as COVID deaths. How are we ever going to trust our governments, uh, again, from the way that they've fudged and lied and created the fear that we've all been living through? And wow. now this this new thing with the masks is, is going to raise the fear levels again. And as GP advocates, and he, he's a man who, whose opinion I respect in these things, it is reducing our immune system. Sorry. Well, I, no, you're fine. Uh, I think I was just making sure you were finished before I, <laughs> before I jumped in there. But I think I think a starting point here is is not only do you have to, to look at the governments. Yes, there, there is that there is that aspect of it. Yes, we have to look at how do we trust their governments? Well, we have to I hate to use the, the term here because I don't want to sound like I'm some kind of trumpeteer because I'm, I'm not right now, but uh, th- we got to drain the swamp. We've got to get rid of this corruption. It's got to go. Everybody that's yeah. in on the take. You look at guys both like sides. Fauci. Both sides. Both sides. Yeah, both sides. Absolutely. I, we're, we're not in disagreement there, I can assure you. Yeah. All of it's got to go. All of it. Now, does that mean overthrow the system and replace the system? No. I'm still a, I'm still a staunch advocate for the American system. Our system has been proven to work. It's not perfect. It's got problems, but our system is known to to be a system that produces over and over and over again positive results. The problem has been is we've gotten all this corruption in there. Dr. Fauci has been in there for four decades in the same position. He's been in the same position longer than I've been breathing. How is that possible? 
How's that even possible? It's time for guys like him to go. And he's not the only one. I'm just using him as an example because he's being put out there as a prominent figure. He's being painted as some kind of faith leader by the mainstream media. And I think it's disgusting. He's nothing but an errand boy for guys like Gates. This is the other problem behind the scenes you have to worry about. Gates is not an elected official. But you've got him coming around, meeting with guys like Boris Johnson, meeting with guys like Fauci in the U.S., meeting with people from the CDC, meeting with people from the World Health Organization. Is that a COVID cough? We're going to have to quarantine you? Yeah, you may have to stay by yourself for 14 days. Yeah. No. So we uh, no. you've got guys like Gates. They're, they're out there meeting with all these people. Uh, they're out there promoting this agenda. He comes out and says, well, we're going to we're going to need multiple vaccines for this. We're going to need to keep schools closed for another year. And I guarantee you this piece of garbage is behind this mask mandate. That's just my opinion. I don't have anything to back that up with. That's just my opinion. But based on his actions, based on the lines that he takes and the people that are out there promoting the agenda that he's helping to foster, the front people, they're advocating for for the mask to, to be out, uh, to be in these respective countries. Guys like him are the problem. He says that we need all these things. He's not a doctor. He doesn't have a medical degree from anywhere. He has none of those credentials, none. So why should we trust someone like him? And he's got his fingerprints all over this. He's the guy that's going to sell you the vaccine. Guys like Dr. Fauci are the ones that have the investments in the vaccine companies. A a deal was just inked today with Pfizer to provide 100 million doses. Johnson & Johnson is another company that's going to be on board that Gates is actually funding to to manufacture a lot of these doses. Remdesivir was a a drug that was approved for, um, for use in the treatment and it was shown to be a failure. But yet they're going to charge three. What was it, Bruce? Three thousand dollars a dose. Something like that it was over three hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it was, and it was who, much more expensive than the others. Yeah. Yes. It failed the clinical trials. Two weeks later, it was signed and approved for use to treat coronavirus and COVID-19 patients by who? By Fauci. Fauci has holdings in the company that owns a patent on remdesivir. This is all a big old corruption scheme. Someone goes into the hospital in the United States. They get diagnosed with just a cold or a flu. What is it? A couple thousand dollars? That's what they charge the insurance. Mm -hmm. You get diagnosed with COVID. Mm -hmm. What do they get paid? Nine thousand. They go on a ventilator. It's what? Thirty thousand? Something like that. They die. It's it's four thousand if you're diagnosed. It's fourteen thousand for a ventilator. And if you die, it's like uh, that's it. Thirty or forty thousand. Yeah, that's it. So this is all one big money laundering scheme. And it's and it's an agenda to keep the populace dumbed down in the dark and dependent on them. You talk about reducing immune systems by keeping everyone home. Well, and I've said from the start of this thing, ever since we were doing the uh, the 50 episodes that we did on exclusive coronavirus coverage, where's the talk from any of these people about boosting your own immune system? Where's that talk? Where's the talk about what foods you need to be eating? Where's the talk about how much exercise you need to be having, how much cardio you need to be having, how much weight training you need to be doing? Chris Cuomo did say that on, on his show, uh, CNN. He did say that he felt better when he got out and, and, and walked in his park. And after that, he was able to actually jog a little bit. And after that, slowly by slowly, he gave, regained his strength and he was taking vitamins and he, and he had to eat. eat. As much as he wanted to lay down and die, he forced himself to get up and move. And as well, he did that every day. He got better and better. I will say he did say that. And he is a he is a healthy guy. He is he's a fit guy. I mean, you, his politics aside, he's he's a big health guy, right? He, he's he's always yeah. working out. Yeah. All, all yeah. his politics aside, he's a he's a very healthy guy. So is he a politician mm-hmm. or is he a presenter? No, he's he's a CNN news anchor. His his 
uh, yeah. brother is our, his older brother. Yeah. His older brother's the governor of New York. But okay, where's okay, the talk so we, though? Yeah, but where's the talk from any of these health officials? For, forget forget the CNN anchor. But where's the talk from no, any no. of these health officials about what to do? I mean, we're hearing yeah. nothing except stay in your house and wait for a vaccine, and that's what's going to fix this. No. Where's the yep. talk about the exercise? Where's the talk about eating healthy? Where's the talk about getting your vitamins and minerals and trace minerals from certain foods? What foods can you get from the store? Where can you get uh, the things that you need? And if you can't get them from foods, what do you need to supplement to keep you healthy? None of that's being discussed. None of it. And it's criminal. That in and of itself, in my humble opinion, is criminal. So, yes, all yeah, of these things. The fact that it's not being discussed by those that matter, that those that people need to hear it from is criminal. Right. Yes, I agree. Right. Definitely. So, yes, Marty, it's a giant uh, it's a giant racket. It's it's nothing but a, a big web of, of corruption and it's all got to be flushed. Now, here's the problem. Let's just say for the sake of argument that we have. Uh, the ability to flush all of these corrupt individuals and get everyone cleaned out of there. The problem you're going to run into is there's going to be a power vacuum of some kind and nature abhors a vacuum. So we're going to need something to step in and to stabilize that situation before it spirals out of control. Because these people, you see all this, this chaos and disarray that we're dealing with now. What this is, this is the system, the old system, it's dying. They're flailing. They're at the end game. They've got nothing left. They don't have any policy on how to fix things. Nothing. They're just they're, they're out of options. They have nothing left right now but control of the population. So yeah. this is the road they're taking. So we get rid of the corruption. And as as John says, on all sides, it's got to go all of them. So uh, you get rid of the corruption. How do we put in something? Assuming we can do that. How do you put in a stabilizing force? until you can get a restructure and a reorganization. I think one way to do that is term limits, man. You can't be in there for life. I mean, you got people that are in there for 15 some years and then they're still going to get paid even after if they ever retire. But the, you got people dying in their seat. Uh, I, I think they need term limits and, and, and a limit yep. to how many terms you can serve. Uh, that's one way to nail it down. And, and, and I just, I think that's one solid way to actually get it in and out. And we've made this discussion. Yeah, we've talked about that before. And also, I tell you what, John, I want to run this one past you because all of us have talked about this on this podcast before. And I want to get your take on this as somebody who's I Mm -hmm. I, I don't know your political affiliations. And quite frankly, it doesn't matter to me because I base my decisions on what someone stands for, not if whether or not they've got. If you want to label me, I'm independent. Okay, fair fair enough. I I listen to everything. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Well, this this is our stance. And we've talked about this. As a matter of fact, Marty, you and I started talking about this about a year, year and a half ago. And that is. It's time to abolish political parties. I think it, it's time. To, it's time to get rid of them. The same and, thought was just running through my head. Yeah, and we, we've got anyway. exactly. We, we've got to get people in there that are based on what they stand for and not what party line they tow. Okay, I'm behind that 100. percent Yes, be who you are, not what, not not you know what you're labeled. Yeah, I mean, we had the situation in the UK over the last few years where we had coalition governments because. One party or the other, because of the way things have, have run down, they couldn't get enough votes. People are starting to look elsewhere for to, you know to, to put their vote rather than the party that their parents might have voted for, that they might have voted for all their life. They're looking for other other ways and places to do it. So we wind up with these coalition governments, and the issue there is that if they if one party or another doesn't have enough votes, doesn't have enough seats it can't get any policies through our system. And I think uh, you're the same. You, you you told me the other day, Johnny, that 
nothing's happened for quite a few years in in the states as in yeah. policies getting that you know the the legislation is there it's written it's ready to go but they can't get anything through so with a uh, a government of independence what you really need is uh, a very strong civil service the the ones that are you know non-political that just come up with the policies write the legislation and these members of parliament in our case or your case it would be members of congress or you know senators they would just vote with their conscience based on what their constituency has told them that they want to vote on and i think yeah okay we, we've got more and more technology available to us and why shouldn't there be a terminal nearby where people can just go and vote regularly on several referendums to say which policies they want putting forward as soon as you know politicians go in bright-eyed bushy-tailed full of innocence wanting to make a difference the only way they can get elected is through belonging to a particular party once they get elected or select then elected they get told what to do by the party whip and that's where the corruption is the corruption is already built in as and you can get these fresh new politicians coming through as soon as they join a political party forget it game over they're no longer that breath of fresh air that our politics both our country's politics needs yeah and if you don't tell the line you're out yeah uh, and in most cases you, you know you hear about politicians they make a bit of the name for themselves. There might be a rebellion inside the party because they've voted the other way. Next thing you know, they're going to spend more time with their family um, because they've been basically ousted. And and the only time a politician really tells the truth is just before they retire. You know, I had made reference to um, another another possible aspect. I mean, you, you get a system like that put in place. You do the term limits like John's talking about. You do the term limits and you also employ the, um, the, the system where it's it's you put you elect people based on what they stand for, not what political party they have. Obviously, you wouldn't have a party in that system. But I think there's another key to this as well. If you can get that system to that point. Uh, I'm not too much on the electronic voting thing because they've been shown to be very inaccurate. However, however, when it comes to this type of thing, I think there's an easier way to do this. And I've talked about this before. If we can get these 535 members of Congress, which is all we have, that uh, that is House and Senate. If we can get these individuals to which, by the way, if we're if we're just throwing this out there, I want all lobbyists fired and disbanded completely. Never again. You people are done. I I want them outlawed. Okay, that's a side issue. But yeah, because a, lo- a lobbyist is a gangster with a briefcase. That's all they are. Are you sure it's a side so, issue? I think it's the main issue. Okay, yeah, good. The majority like of the money. Bit of a passion for it there. Yeah, okay, but yeah, but here, here's the here's the bigger point I was trying to make. You get the you get the politicians. Once you get them in office, we can secure a vote of 535 people electronically. If it's only 535 people, we can get that one figured out. With all these layers of security and enterprise servers and corporate intranets, we can secure that. Okay, 535 members of Congress can vote electronically. Why do I say that? Because we get them to legislate from their districts. That's why you shut down the D.C. machine. You don't put them in D.C. anymore. You don't get them in a place where they can have four or five different houses. They can spend 30 to 40 to 50 years up there or even meet their maker while they're in that chair. It's time for that to end. 
The only time they're supposed to be in D.C. anyway is when they're voting on something. They shouldn't be there any other time. So if we can get them to legislate from their districts, if we can get them to take care of their districts, if you look at these people, look at look at places like places like, okay, San Francisco, right? San Francisco. That's Dianne Feinstein's district. That's Nancy Pelosi's district. They don't even live there. And look at how those districts are. It's hell on earth. They don't they, yeah. they don't even live there. So you have to get these people in their districts, get them in there where they have to have a job, where they work a nine to five. They're talking to their constituents that put them there. They're representing them. They are able to interact with them. They're able to see the issues on a day to day basis. Someone that's in D.C., they're disconnected from all this. They, they don't have any any touch to that. They just go back to their district. They give some nonsense speech every three to six years and, and then they go back up on the hill. That's all they do. And, and their district goes to hell. So if we can get them on a secure vote, 535 secure votes to legislate from their districts, then we can do this. It, I mean, we, we can do this and we can we can do this, bring it up to the new age and we can rebuild what's been destroyed. I think we can do that. That's my that's my solution to it. What, what do you think, John? At one point, it did work. I mean, we wouldn't have the country we do now if if, if the machine has been broken the entire yes. 200 and some years we've, we've been here. So at some yes. point, it did work. Somewhere, somebody threw a wrench in there and screwed the whole thing up. So, I mean, and I just think it should, if we're looking for the, the easiest route to do that, term limits is the best route to go at this point. And we're going to have to start teaching our kids the difference between buying out and selling out and doing the right thing as far as for the people of the people, we the people. You said somewhere along the line, somebody threw a wrench into the works. I, you know what? I, I think I might have an answer for you on that one. Uh, and that was right after the uh, the Second World War. And this is true. You can go and look this up. The German army had gone to the German scientific community during the Second World War and asked for that uh, it's a little history lesson, by the way. Uh, they had asked the German scientific community for a smokeless lubricant for diesel engines because they needed to to stay concealed. And so they needed the engines to not produce so much smoke uh, because of components rubbing against each other. And so they developed that product. And after the Second World War was over, obviously, we uh, we in the Allies, we defeated Nazi Germany. And that idea was taken to the U.S. Well, an amount of money for the first time, was exchanged in the amount of $1.6 million. Now, $1.6 million in the 50s was a lot of money in the U.S. Oh, yeah. And that was exchanged. And that deal was made with this particular company that held that product, that smokeless uh, lubricant for diesel engines. That deal was made between that company and the American Heart Association. Now, where's the where's the uh, where's the correlation here? Well, that product was brought to market. It was the legislation was written by the company in conjunction with the American Heart Association because of the money that was exchanged. And that product was brought to market. We know it today as Crisco. Hmm. So you want to you want to know where the corruption started? That was the first deal that happened like that after the end of the war. That's where it started. And people thought, hey, this is really easy to do. You know, look how look how quickly we got this through. $1.6 million. That's all it took. And how much money has that product made in its lifetime? It's still making money. So 
the idea that that a corporation, this is where I think we need to kind of have a look at corporations as well, too, because, again, this is where you have like lobbyists come in and, and all this, because this is a whole nother problem in and of itself. You have a corporation that comes along, say, like, for example, Procter & Gamble, big corporation, right? International corporation do all kinds of business. They have all kinds of products. They say I'm, just, I'm not saying they do this. I'm not saying it specifically. I'm just saying as an example, right, as an example, you uh-huh. take a company like Procter & Gamble. Maybe I should be more clear with it. And they go to Congress with a piece of legislation that's already written by the corporation. Okay, they'll hire lawyers and legal teams and litigators and they'll draft that legislation. It will then be handed over to a member of Congress for, say, oh, I don't know, twenty five thousand dollars in campaign contributions, because that's the maximum amount you can give. So you grease the skids with one congressman to sponsor the bill. The corporation then goes and greases the skids of another congressman to co-sponsor the bill. So two sponsors. Then they'll go around to each individual congressperson, congressman, congresswoman, whatever, over into the Senate and give campaign contributions to each one. And they might spend, I don't know, $10 million to have this piece of legislation passed that's going to make them two or three billion dollars. This is the level of corruption we're dealing with. Hmm. So we need to make it uh, so where uh, those in uh, Congress and Senate and all that can't profit from others than being in the city. You know, well, no unfortunately, yeah, well, unfortunately, we have a little bit bigger of a problem. The Supreme Court back in the 90s ruled that corporations are to be considered people. So this is how they're able to get away with this. Uh, and so, th- I mean, there's another precedent, another ruling precedent from the Supreme Court you're going to have to look at. So if you can figure out how to overturn that, I mean, this is all one big giant mess, right? It's, it's yeah. a mess. There's a lot to clean out here. So it's not as simple as just saying, well, how can we fix this? And in one fell swoop, you get rid of all of it. No, this is a multi-tiered process. I mean, it's you're talking about getting rid of the better part of seven decades worth of corruption. And you're trying to reestablish and re-upload a system so you don't have a collapsing society. That That's that's the ultimate goal here that I think we're trying to discuss. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so. Now that we've uh, now that we've solved the problem of corruption in the U.S., uh, John, do you have any other topics that you would like to cover today? You know, there's I see a bunch of posts on Facebook and, and you know a bunch of memes and stuff on Twitter about how we need to get Christ back into the schools and we need to teach our kids about God and stuff like that. I I don't particularly fall into the line of a religious person. I don't particularly believe in God. I do. I am more spiritual and all that. I, I, I honestly just don't believe in shoving religion and all that down, you know, kids' throat and stuff like that. Now, if you want to send your kid to, you know, a Catholic school or a private school like that, that's your business. But if it's a public entity, I don't think religion has any business being in there. And, and, and that whole uh, controversy about under God with the Pledge of Allegiance, that wasn't even added till the 1950s. And, and if somebody wants to omit that, uh, omit it from saying it themselves, forcing somebody to say it or ousting them, you know, as some kind of like anti-patriotic person, I just think is 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 BS, honestly. You know, we had talked about something similar to that. What was it uh, last week, Bruce? We talked about what happens when you when you remove some type of not necessarily. I'm not I'm not talking one religion or the other here, but when you remove faith from someone. Uh, essentially what happens. And we were talking about, we were making reference to not necessarily schools, but uh, since you bring up that aspect of it, because you're making reference to uh, people on Twitter that are talking about uh, bringing God back into schools. Well, you can make that argument, yes, but I, I I would argue that it's outside religious institutions as a whole. 
And and by that, I mean any faith. I'm not I'm not speaking uh, just I'm yeah, not talking no. just Christian Christianity here. And but I did stipulate public entities. I, I did stipulate any oh, yes, other okay. any other public entities. Okay. So. OK, well, the, the problem the problem that we were examining at that time was because we were kind of looking at what happens to a person. And we were making reference to this mentality that that people are out there um, uh, smashing police horses with bricks, burning down Ooh. businesses and smashing uh, smashing up people's businesses. We were speaking specifically to groups like Antifa, which are, you know, yeah. a bunch of a bunch of college wound up crazies. And yeah. Uh, the the reason that that I think that they're in that position is because they've had no guidance growing up. Now that comes from several things, not just specifically uh, religion. That plays a part in it, but it has specifically with, with religion. It's that faith in something that's higher than yourself, and by that I mean. It doesn't necessarily have to be in public entities. It could be in a private institution, you know, whether that's your church or, or community center or whatever. But a lot mm-hmm. of these people, when you run across them, these these college kids, they come from uh, from broken homes. They don't they don't come from a solid family structure. They don't have any faith in something that's higher than themselves, whatever that might be. I'm not talking one or the other here. But what that causes is a spiritual vacuum of sorts. And by that, I mean, they have nothing to believe in. So they become materialistic and they go off to these institutions of, quote, higher learning and they get radicalized in those institutions. So they meet someone like a college professor or whatever, uh, and they get into these study groups and then they get twisted up into this extremist ideology. And then it causes them to assign a meaning to their lives that they haven't had anywhere else because they've never been taught it. So they they fill that spiritual vacuum with, say, for example, uh, Marxism or something and anarchy, you know, the anarchist mentality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they'll become the nihilistic types. And then they believe that the only way to overcome in those types of ideologies, they believe the only way to overcome and to have something of value is to get rid of everything you see. So they have this burn it all down and bring it all down man mentality. And they don't know how to build. They've never been taught how to build. And it starts with yourself. It starts with building yourself, building your confidence, building your spiritual belief in whatever that might be. I mean, we have the freedom of religion in America. You can go worship a tree for all I care. But it's about believing in something. It's about having faith in yourself. It's about having faith in a higher power, whatever that is. And if people don't have that, then they they end up in danger of finding a belief in something that is very destructive later down the line. And then you end up with two or three lost generations like we're dealing with. And I, I don't really have a, I don't really have a, a, a solid answer as to um, how to apply an easy fix to that, because, uh, you know, th- that's an education. It's, it's a part of education. It's not the only education, but it's part of an education. You get the academic side, you get the spiritual side, and you also get the family side and the social side. It's multiple educations that go into our upbringings, our traditional upbringings that allow us to develop into respectable, moral, healthy, logical people. And all that's been removed. All that underpinning has been removed. And so I think by and you can make that argument about religion in the public institutions. Okay, fine. I think that comes down to the local level. If a locale 
you know, community or, or whatever, a county wants to take it upon themselves to do that. Well, then that should be the, the, the county or the city's decision. And the people should have a right to vote on that. That's my opinion on it. I don't think that it should be mandated from the federal level down. Everything about our system traditionally has been from the bottom up. That's what's been unique about it is we can govern at the local level and go upward with it. So I'm just saying that if you don't have these type of foundational structures in place at a younger age, then you develop into the destructive type uh, as you get older and you see what we're dealing with as a result of it. But you can have and build those foundations and structural beliefs without having to bring religion into it. And that's where I have a struggle of understanding. It's like, fine, you can have, you can be non-religion. You can be faithless. You can you can be antagonistic or, 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 or atheist or whatever you want to call yourself. It doesn't take a religious belief to know right and wrong. See, but I'm different from other people. I don't know right and wrong. I feel right and wrong. I, I, I feel it to the core of my beliefs, and that's probably where I just don't understand why it's so hard for, for me to believe that people don't know right from. You know right from wrong. You have to know right from. And it doesn't take God and Jesus to teach somebody right from wrong. That just comes from your parents or whoever it is that was around you that built your structural understanding as a child. It doesn't take a religion to build those concrete foundations. It takes somebody that knows and believes what's right and wrong for real, not what they want you to believe. Who determines what's right and wrong? It's the natural, it, it, it's, it's just something that should naturally come to you. I mean, if, if you're the type of person that can maliciously and intently take a life and not feel any remorse or regret or anything, then there's got to be something inherently wrong with you. I mean, I just, I mean, I just, I, I just can't believe that people are born. Well, if you look at that. If you look at people that, uh, for example, I mean, you, you say Kyle that. Soldiers. Uh, well, yes. But if, if you look at people that you say that it should inherently come to you, well, it, it doesn't. You know, it, it does. You, you did say you did make reference there to, uh, you know, a family teaching that. Well, what if someone doesn't have a family? What if they're brought up without a family? You look at places like inner cities and a lot of these kids in, that come from these inner cities, they don't have a father at home. They don't have, a, a, you know, mothers addicted to the pipe or the needle. And you've got a brother or a cousin or somebody that's raising them. And you might have 10, 12 kids into a house in some cases. So, you know, I, I don't I don't think that necessarily mean a mother and a father. I mean, it could be a it could be a nun. It could be a priest. It, it could be a foster parent. It, it could be uh, the kid sleeping in the in the in the orphanage bunk next to you that I'm not saying it has to be specifically somebody related or anything like that. I'm just saying I mean, I get that not everybody out there is good and kind and is going to do right and all that. I, I just... Well, no, I, I, th I think I get what you're saying. No, I think I get what you're saying. But you look at cases and I, I mean, I've worked a lot of criminal cases in, in my day and a lot of the criminal cases that I worked, you look at some of the more high profile cases and you start looking at their backgrounds. A lot of them came from these broken type families. Mo majority of them did. It wasn't true in all cases. And it was a, a long history of, of criminal behavior. I mean, we go after like organized crime people. That's what they do. They get into that, that particular thing because they don't have any kind of structure that they've been brought up with and they were not they were never taught right from wrong they they didn't have anyone to guide them whether that's a religion or a parent it, it doesn't matter but they didn't have any kind of guidance whatsoever in that upbringing to teach them of how things need to be in life and how to function in society and so they just developed this pattern in their own head they developed disorder 
and they look for some type of reasoning behind this to try and guide themselves. And they end up turning to a life of crime because there are no limits in a life of crime. And so you you fall into that uh, that endless cycle uh, of the criminal justice system. And it's the same with these people that we're seeing out there in the streets now. They're out there uh, thinking that they're doing the right thing, thinking that they're going to get something at the end of this. And they're not. They're not. That's that's the most yeah. selfish way to think. That's not going to give them anything. If anything, yeah. the ones that are out there, and I, I know you know the type, the ones that are out there with their $1,000 iPhones and their $200 skinny jeans wanting socialism, you're going to get socialism and you're not going to like it. You know, yeah. I mean, that's... That's what it's going to be. But yeah. no, I, I think that it, it has to come. I mean, it, it has to come from some type of a structure uh, and it has to come with a good upbringing. And or lack thereof. What, what do you mean lack thereof? If there's no structure, then that's where the bad behavior comes from. So if yes, there's a lack yes. of structure. Yes, yes. You, no, you're, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I, OK, I was misunderstanding. <laughs> but yes, you're, you're right. If there's if there's no structure of any kind, then there's no way for them to understand how things need to be going forward. So they turn to that way. And it's you, you see you see what we're dealing with. And it's uh, it's just it's not the way that society needs to go, because we've got a lot that needs to be fixed over there. It starts with the younger kids. And like I said, we're yeah. dealing with two, three generations here that I, I'm not sure how you get through to them. I'm, I'm really not sure how you get through to them. It's really difficult because they're not going to understand. I made reference to this the other day. These kids that are out there that are burning society to the ground and the ones that are advocating to overthrow the system, they're not going to understand what they're actually doing until the system falls, anarchy ensues, and they're forcefully put in that situation where they get a foot to the backside. That's the only way they're going to wake up. And so there are those of us that are trying to have reasonable discussions out there to prove that there is a way to sit down and reach a reasonable solution through healthy dialogue. That's what we're trying to do here. Gotcha. Uh, we are done, unless there is anything else you've got. No, I'm good. I like bananas. Yes, of course you do, GP. We, we know you like bananas, yeah. Pineapple. Okay. All right. Okay, um, if you're going to be ending here shortly, definitely, guys, if you're out there and you're... Okay, let's make it even easier. If you see a trash can, just look around you and just pick up a piece of trash if you can. Just Please. get there. Just take that moment and just let's clean up the world around us and instill something into our children that they're responsible for this world too. And uh, yeah, got my piece of trash in. All right, great. Okay. Thank, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Do you have any uh, closing points you'd like to make John before we jump out of here? No, um, this was fun actually. Uh, Come back and do it again if you want me to. <laughs> yeah, well, you made the decision to to call into us. You reached out to GP, and uh, and you know what? Uh, it's it's been it's been a pleasure sitting down and talking to you. I, th- I want to thank you for coming on uh, and taking the time to uh, to sit down and talk with us today. To be fair, I thought you were going to be some crazy loon that was going to call us all mass murderers or something because we didn't wear masks. You know, I, I kind of. Well, he, he, he held that back. He held that part back there, Johnny. Oh, he held that part back. Okay, all right. <laughs> he held that all right, part just back. so just so we're clear. <laughs> We are going to have to jump out of here this evening. Again, John, thank you for coming on. GP, Bruce, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening. Because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you, and we love freedom and independence. And together, we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. 